God in heaven, we come before you and pray that you would open up your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word so that in, in these moments before you we'll come to a deeper understanding of you, of who you are and what you offer us. Amen. So this is an arresting passage, isn't it? Uh, Jesus, we're in John's gospel. Uh, and Jesus says some words that are, are they're not even dulled by years. I mean, there's some things that we hear in church and we just become accustomed to the hearing them and they lose some of their, they're not as arresting. But this, no matter how many times you hear just the, the clarity and the insistence and the vividness with which Jesus speaks, it's, it's just arresting, isn't it? That unless you eat of the flesh and unless you drink of the blood, you shall not have life within you. Very vivid, very arresting. After the passage that we read, we read that many deserted Jesus, and, and we can well understand why. The, the amount of confusion and scandal, what does this person mean uh, to say, eat my flesh, drink my blood? Uh, well, I think we'll come to see that this very vivid image is a, is a, a very important and very common way that Jesus speaks about faith in him about following him, about what it means to be a Christian. There are many images, aren't there? The Bible is full of a variety of ways in which it communicates this is what faith looks like. For instance, seeing or trusting or, or walking. Uh, but this image of eating, we're going to find, I, I hope we find, it's very important and very central uh, to what it means to be a follower of God and follow and trust in Jesus. So, as we approach this passage, we're just going to ask three simple questions, and I think those simple questions will help us understand the passage. First question is, is a question of what? What does Jesus say about himself? Who is he? Second question is a question of what does he offer? So, who is Jesus? Second question, what does he offer? Third question is, how do we receive what he offers? So, very straightforward questions. Uh, I think you'll see how the, the text really asks to be, uh, begs those questions to be asked. So, who is Jesus? What does he offer? And how do we receive it? Let's jump right in. Who is Jesus? Who does he say that he is? Uh, it's a that's a very important question. Uh, there are many opinions about Jesus. Uh, Jesus asks his own followers at some point in time, now what about you? Who do you say that I am? A very important question that Jesus addresses to his followers, but it's also equally important to, for us to consider what does Jesus say about himself? Who does he say that he is? That seems to be an equally important question. Now, who does Jesus say that he is? In this passage, he says that he is food. Uh, We'll see the type of food that he describes himself to be, but he describes that being bread, but we'll see just very simply, he describes himself as food to be eaten and drink to be drunk, right? Now, eating and drinking is one of those things that you probably don't pay too much attention to. We don't pay attention to the fact that we're breathing. You are, in fact, breathing. You, uh, we don't pay attention too much to the fact of what we eat. Uh, it's just there's food in front of us, and uh, we eat it, and some that we like, and you know, we don't really ponder where the food comes from or how it nourishes us. 
Uh, but I, some of those questions will be very important as we look at this passage. Uh, I've mentioned our mission partner, Gitachu. He serves up in northern Kenya, Somalia area. And one of the great things about visiting there is the culinary uh, exploration uh, that we enjoy. And as you can imagine, a little bit of a red carpet is rolled out, so it's uh, beholding to eat what's uh, put before you. And most of the times, I do a pretty good job. Uh, there was one time in which we were served chicken intestines, and I just had to stir them around my plate. But other than that, I feel like I've done a pretty good job at you know, eating what's in front of me. But it's not just the variety of food that's consumed, it's also the, the relationship to food, which is pretty, is very different. In uh, one trip, my, uh, a child came with me, uh, and we were up in northern, uh, northern Kenya, and in the morning, uh, this child was petting a goat. And in the evening, we were eating stew. And in a parenting moment that I still, I still question the wisdom, I connected the dots for this child between the goat that was petted and named and uh, the food that we were enjoying. Now, the, the people who are with me when this child was obviously distressed and a few tears shed, and certainly the meal was not any consumed anymore, the, the people who are with us said, you know, what's wrong? And I, I had to explain. We just, we, we, we have a, a much more distant relationship with our food than you. They responded, where does your food come from? I said, it comes from a wrapper. Like, we, we like our food in a styrofoam little, like, platter, no blood, you get, please wrap it thoroughly, I don't want to know from whence it came, that's the way I prefer it. Where does my food, it comes from a store, that's where it comes from. We, but don't let, don't let our sanitized method of conception fool you, or, or obscure the fact that in every bite you eat, there is an exchange of what? Life. Right? It's unavoidable. I don't care if you're a vegetarian, vegan, whatever, if you eat, you are depending upon the life of something else to nourish you, correct? I hate to quote Walt Disney, but the circle of life is applicable. In every food, every, everything you eat, there's a, something has laid down its life, and in doing so, it gives life to the thing that consumes it. Isn't that true? Uh, it could be a plant. It could be an animal. And so Jesus tells us he is food to eat, and he is drink to be drunk. And this is not just a passing reference. This is not just a fleeting idea that Jesus thinks, huh, entertain this for it. No, this is a central to Jesus' understanding of himself. Just consider the night before he was betrayed, the night before he died, he told us how he wanted to be memorialized. Now, that's a great Think, think of that question for just a moment. If you could choose how you would be remembered, what would, you, what would you choose? Maybe you'd make a bust of yourself, you know, a nice statue. Maybe you'd have a poem written about you. How would you choose to be remembered? How does Jesus choose to be remembered? He says he does through a meal. He does so through a meal. Take and eat. This 
Bread is my body broken for you. This uh, wine is my blood shed for you. Do you, do you uh, can you appreciate this is not, this is a central to Jesus' understanding of himself. He is food. And food can only nourish us how? If it's broken, right? Bread that's broken. Uh, the sheep that's slain, the goats that's slain. In all consumption, and all nourishment, there is the giving and the receiving of life. And that's how Jesus understands himself. Food to be eaten, the life that is laid down, and in doing so, it nourishes those who consume it. So that's our first, that's our first question. Who does Jesus say that he is? Food. Food to be consumed. Second question is, what does he offer? Let's follow along in our text. Look at verse 53 with me, please. You'll see that uh, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Now, Jesus is speaking to people who are actually physically, they have a pulse. They are alive. But it appears that Jesus is drawing a distinction between actually uh, living a full life and, and simply existing, simply punching your card, right? So a difference between being physically, biologically alive and, and enjoying a full life. And Jesus says, eat of me and you will have this full type of life, not just biological, but uh, full of zest, full, fully alive, right? So that's the first thing he offers. And the second thing he offers is whoever, following along in verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Has eternal life. So he offers a new quality of life to those who are living, and he offers a new duration of life, eternal life. Now, uh, Woody Allen had a very typical and depressive assessment of his own life. I think this was in Annie Hall. Uh, he uh, was sitting down eating a meal and said, this meal kind of reminds me of my life. His uh, dinner partner said, well, how so? He said, well, it's not very good and there's not enough of it. Typical Woody Allen, not very good and not enough of it. Jesus is the remedy to Woody Allen's Melancholy assessment of his own life. Not very good. Jesus offers a new quality of life. Not enough of it. Jesus offers a, 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 a duration of life, an eternal life. And again, image that this digestive analogy is helpful for us to begin to understand how he does so. Following along, verse 55, 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. In other words, he becomes a part. Jesus becomes a part of us. We abide in him. Now think for just a moment about digestion. My knowledge of digestion ends at about eighth grade. But I do know this. You're supposed to chew each bite. You're supposed to chew it how many times? 30 people, 30 times. Chew each bite 30 times. And as you chew each bite, it's broken down, it mixes with your saliva, and then you swallow it. And as you swallow it, it, it is somehow, and this is where my knowledge is just very limited, it becomes a part of you, right? It is uh, assumed through your stomach, and as it's broken down even further, it literally becomes a part of you, right? And so we have a renewed emphasis on healthy food of food. You know, non-GMO, non-this, non-pesticide, 
the more natural, the better, right? Because we're coming to just a, a greater appreciation that you, you really are what you eat, that there it becomes, it becomes a part of you. Funny story from the Glade uh, household. In my house, uh, organic is equated with healthy, and healthy is equated with not tasting very good. I don't know where they would develop such, such opinions, but that is uh, true, certainly of my boys. And from uh, the kitchen, I heard, uh, ah, yuck. I walked in, and one of my boys was holding a Coca-Cola, and he said, ah, look, Dad, it's organic Coke. And I looked at it, and I said, no, 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 that's just original Coke. You're fine. So the point of that, well, there's no point to that analogy. That was just a sidebar. <laughs> but we are what we eat, right? And food becomes a part of us. The problem is that everything you and I eat is perishable. Even the healthiest food, it just it fades away, it rots. Uh, you know, pick your most non-GMO, non-pesticide, everything, it doesn't matter. Eventually, it's going to rot. Jesus says, why labor for food that wastes away earlier in this very passage? And I think we could certainly point to physical food, that all physical food rots, but we could point uh, past that to sort of metaphorical food. Why labor for things that rot, for things that waste away, and everything under the sun falls under that category? Uh, the most promising career the most satisfying career is going to go bye-bye. Your most prized possessions are going to be given to somebody else. It's all going to go away. Why labor for things that rot? Why pursue? You heard a little bit of this in our Ephesians passage. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't pursue things that lead to uh, debauchery or lead to a sucking away of life. But be filled with something that gives you real life. And everything you eat is perishable. Everything you pursue is perishable. But what if you could eat something that had life in it, lasting life, perpetual life, eternal life, then that same thing would become a part of you. Jesus was full of life, full of life this side of the grave. He was fully alive. He laughed. He cried. He knew great challenges. He knew great victories. Uh, he knew deep relationships. He knew what it was to be disappointed. He knew what it was. Uh, he was fully, fully alive. What's the first thing he offers to you and me? He offers to those who simply have a pulse, those who are simply existing, eat of me and you'll do more than exist. You won't need to run away from life, but you will be fully engaged in it. You'll know great sorrows, great joys. Fully alive. But not just fully alive. Not just a change of quality, a change of quantity as well. Eternal life. Life that goes after the grave, or continues after the grave. And don't we hunger for that? I'm just amazed at the rapidity of the passage of time. I'm struck by it every time I have to fill out one of those forms on the internet. It says your birthday, 
February, day one. And then there's this little menu. And you press on it, and you've got to scroll down and down and down until you find what seems like, and I know people here are older than me saying, stop moaning, Glade, but... I mean, it just feels like at the bottom of the well, like 74, and it's not going to get any better, right? My, my number's not going to bump anywhere uh, higher on that list. It's just going by fast. Jesus offers what? He offers eternal life. He's the only one to come through the grave on the other side into a new, um, a new resurrected life. Eat of him. And you are what you eat, right? Somehow this life that is in him and was him becomes a part of us. So I've already sort of primed the pump for the third question. That is, how do we receive it? We've thought about the question, who does Jesus say he is? He says that he is food to be consumed. What does he offer? He offers to you life, a new quality of life, a new quantity of life. Third and final, how do you receive? It's a good question. How do we receive? Well, I have two reflections on that, uh, that question. Uh, the first one is really not found in this passage, but I just want to uh, point to the importance of intimacy. Remember how we began and s- suggested that in other parts of the world they enjoy a much more intimate relationship with food? <laughs> Petting the goat. I think that's good for food. I don't want to be any more intimate with my food than I am right now. I think that's a little distance from your food is fine. I think uh, that's not helpful for faith. And what I mean is we, we profess that God, Jesus, died for the sins of the world. That's true. He did. But sometimes that can, the, the scope of, of that, the whole world, can dull the, the personal impact. Yes, Jesus died for the whole world, but more applicable to you and more personal to you, he died for you. Jesus died for me. The whole world, yes, but don't let the scope dull the impact. What he did, he did for us, for you. So we draw near with an intimacy. We get a little bit closer to the food that we consume. We consume And we do that as we draw near, as we turn with eyes of faith and just look to the cross and what he did for me. So that's the first way that we receive what he offers. The second way, back to our passage, is we eat. We actually eat. Most commentators think that this passage is a reference to the Lord's Supper. It's what we celebrate three out of four Sundays at this church. Robbie or I will stand behind the table and say, take, eat, This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. And you will come forward and place your hands like this and receive a piece of bread and receive a cup of wine. And I'm always surprised at how insistent the Bible and the Christian faith is on physical stuff. You know, we can kind of fall under this idea that, you know, as long as I believe in my heart, and I think the right things in my head, that's enough, right? Apparently, the Bible doesn't think so. No, it commends that all, to all of us that we come forward and, and do this very physical thing 
of taking a piece of bread and taking a, a sip of wine. How's it work? I don't know. I don't know how physical digestion works, much less spiritual digestion, but here's the thing. Uh, food is not meant to be studied. It's not meant to be examined. Uh, the Lord's Supper is not meant to be studied. It's not meant to be examined. It's not meant to be figured out. It's meant to be enjoyed. Just like food is. Does that mean that every meal that you should have is a, a miraculous skies open, heavens part, and you feel the presence, the indwelling presence of Christ? Probably not. Can you remember what you ate last year? Nope. Can you remember what you ate last month? Not likely. Last week? Probably not. Maybe yesterday. The point is, you don't remember what you ate. You do remember that you did eat. And that's the point of, of what we do around here. We come with eyes of faith. We look at the cross saying, not just for the whole world, yes, for the world, but for me. And we come and we open our hands and say, Jesus, please feed me. So two ways that we receive one, we, we look inwards with the eyes of faith at what Jesus did. We, we draw near to that food, right? We take some of the sanitized wrapper off of it. And secondly, we come forward, trusting in faith that what Jesus said is true, that this is his body, broken for you, and this is to be done in remembrance of him. So let me summarize. Who does Jesus say that he is? There are many images of, Jesus, of who Jesus is, a wise teacher, a gentle and kind person. He is all of those things, no doubt. But central to his understanding of himself is that he is food, food to be eaten, food that's broken and consumed. Do we know Jesus and understand Jesus as he understands and knows himself? What does he offer? He offers to us life, life in this age and eternal life in the age to come. And isn't that what you hunger for? To not just punch the ticket, not just go through the emotions, but to have a real life, a type of life that Jesus experienced, a full life. Not only a full life now, but life in the age to come, a life that goes beyond these brief 80, 90 years that we have. How do we receive what he has to offer? Well, come to him. You come to him inwardly with eyes of faith as you look upon the cross and know that what he did, he did for you. And then outwardly, you do as we're instructed. When he took a piece of bread, a cup of wine, and said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed. Let's take a few moments and consider this passage. Take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. This is my blood, shed for you. Whoever feeds on me has life.